Yeah, good. All right, halacha from Gemara, a new topic. A new topic, well, not a new topic, a new uh, subtopic of Muktza. But uh, before we get to that, thank you to Adina and uh, David Barth for sponsoring tonight's shir. Le'ilei Nishmas Avigail Bas Binyamin, David's mother, Neshama Shev and Aliyah. Yes, it was Monday? Yeah. It was Monday, yeah. Ten years. Ten years. Oh, okay. We are starting the subtopic of Muksa, which is really in the, the other direction, right? Until, until now, we have been going steadily towards what is prohibited. What is Muksa? What is something you can't touch? Now we're going to say, well, what are the things that are permitted within Muksa? So this is a little bit of a different angle, but we're talking about the same thing, obviously, in, in the prohibited direction. We were talking about things that weren't prohibited also. But here we're going to talk about a specific concept called tiltul min hatzad. Tiltul min hatzad. This is on, uh, we're gonna, everyone's got a Gemara here, at least those in person. We are looking at, yeah, we'll see, I'll, I'll explain what that phrase means. Um, we are looking at page 141a, 141a. That's where we're going to start. There should be a Mishnah on the top of the page, 141a. Um, if you look at the top of the English pages. Oh, I got you the wrong one. You know, because there was another, honestly, it's an article thing. Okay, Tiltul Min Hatzad. We're just going to jump into it. This is going to lead us to a couple different Gemaras, but uh, we will start here on 141a because this is really the beginning of the discussion chronologically. While the Gemara oftentimes will be a wonderful way to start in terms of a discussion, the Mishnah is the first place that you want to start in terms of sort of where is the, the earliest mention of this. Not the, it's not in the Torah. Obviously, Muktzah is a Dindara Banan. So the, uh, the, the, the exceptions to Muktzah are also going to be only Dindim Durabanan. So the earliest place that we can look is, uh, is the Mishnah itself. And as opposed to, if you remember, as opposed to our last topic, Basasadavar Aser, that was barely in the Gemara. Barely is one Gemara that makes reference to the, to the whole concept. And even that, it's unclear, especially going to the Rambam, whether we even use the phrase L'Halacha at all. Now, we do, but, you know, that's actually a, a discussion in, in, in the Rishonim. Right? Ra, if you remember that Gemara that we did, the Rambam said the whole thing was only about, was only about Graf Shel Re'i, right? Anyways, we don't have to go back into that. But here, this Mishnah sounds explicitly to be referring to this concept. At least that's how the Rishonim explain it. The Mishnah says the following on the top of 141a. You can see the fourth line down, you have the four big letters, Matni, that stands for Matnitin, our Mishnah. Nobody else, this belongs to us. Hakash she'al gabe hamita. 
This sounds a lot like Masas Davaraser. Now, what's kash? Or straw, something like that, yeah. I think you know there's an English side to that book too, right? Mine? Yeah, if you flip to the back of the book. Anyways, I don't know if you want that or not, but hakash al gabe hamita. If you have straw on top of the bed, good. Lo yena'anenu, do not shake it off. Biado, not with your hands. Ella minano bigufo, rather... Shake it off with your body. Okay. Would that include elbow? Would it include elbow? That's part of your body. Anything that's not your hands. Anything that's not your hands. Correct. Correct. So this is actually a good point. Maybe it's worth reminding ourselves. Way back when, a year and a half ago when we started Mutsa, we discussed the possible reasons for why it was instituted. We had the concept of sort of keeping the atmosphere of Shabbos Right, making sure that we're not doing things that are weekday-like activities. Um, we talked about strenuous activity. We talked about uh, one of the main reasons, and this is probably it's not hard to say that we posk in this way, but one of the main reasons that we, that we brought down was we, we don't touch these things lest we come to use them or to carry them, to carry them from one place to another on Shabbos, which we don't want to, uh, we don't want to violate those halachas. So... The reason I bring that up is because when we talk about muktzah, what we really mean is moving with our hands. Now, muktzah applies even if you're not moving with your hands, but that's what we're going to be talking about, how much does that apply. So here what it says is you are allowed to move it with your body. We'll have to go through some of these terms, especially in Rashi, to understand them. But for right now, all we know is you can't move it with your hands. However, v'im haya ma'achal behema, and if it, the straw, was designated as animal food, oh, shahaya alav kar o sadin, or on top of them, there was a pillow. So, menano biado. Then you can move it with your hands. On top of the straw with the pillow? I believe that's how the phrase is, uh, inter- is, is translated. How does it say it? In, well, is on top of the straw? What, it doesn't say. It doesn't say what it is. It yeah. Says, or if there was a pillow or sheet on it from before the beginning of the sale. Yeah. So, um, what are the possible reasons for this? What are the possible reasons? Be on top of the no. Why would it be okay? Because the pillow is not there. You need it. The pillow you need. Good. What does that have to do with? Right? I mean, so the pillow is allowed and the, the, the straw is okay, not. Okay. So is that, but wait, it's like this loose stuff. It's not like... It's definitely designated as a bed, for sure. Um, so let's do the first one. Behema. If the straw was animal food, why is that okay? Because it's not mukta in the first place. Yeah. It's not mukta at all. right? If the straw is not garbage or unusable, but it is rather there because it is, uh, it's for your animals, so then you're allowed to move it. Could we assume at all times that straw means it's for your animals? Why else would you it? It would seem, at least based on this mission, we'd have to discuss that at length. But we've talked about that. But No, we've talked about that before. No, we've talked about that before. We've talked about if something is categorized as animal food, so then it's already an animal, even if you don't have the animal. 
but um, there are some things which could be used as animal food, which aren't clearly animal food. So I think that's what we're talking about here. The straw can be used for multiple purposes. Let's, let's look at Rashi. Rashi is on the inside of the page um, for Hilti. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Rashi says, Hakash Sha'al Hamita, the straw that is on the bed. Ustama, Ustama, what's the word Ustama? That's a very important word. Ustama. What's the word Stam? The basic or the default. Right? Like uh, someone says Stam. You ever heard that? That's like a colloquialism in Israel. Stam means like, I'm, I'm just kidding, I don't really mean it. Right? It means almost like, what's the default? What's the. What's the, the pariv version? So stama, the, the pariv version, the default use, the default use of straw is lahasaka. What's lahasaka? Hasaka, I don't even know if it's Hebrew. It sounds Hebrew, but uh, it means for fuel. Fuel. Yeah, they used to use straw to, to light their fireplaces or whatever. Maybe it's a good starter. Okay, I don't know. Maybe things can change over time. But stamala hasaka, and therefore, umuktsahi, or muktsahu. Therefore, it is muktsa. Something which is used for a prohibited purpose in that way is designated as muktsa. Now, Rashi uses the word muktsa. It's probably beyond the fact that it's just lahasaka that it's muktsa. It's because it's not useful for anything else. At least in your house. Or unless you designate it otherwise. And now this person, he comes to, to lay down. He wants to take a shluf. And he wants to lay down on it so that it is, I guess, smooth. I think that's what that means. And soft to lay down on. Says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, Rashi is quoting, You should not move it with your hands because it's muktzah. It's interesting, Rashi. Why would he have to tell us that? He already told us that, but okay. Rashi seems to feel the need to tell us, what does it mean with your body? What's biktefav? What's a katef? No. That's a shok. What's a katef? No. I, I learned this word very quickly when I was in Israel because I have uh, problems with this. I went to the emergency room and I told them, I dislocated my shoulder. Uh, that happened a couple times in Israel. Katef. Katef, yeah. It's been happening a lot more than that. Just a couple in Israel. Yeah. You should move it with your shoulders. What I'm picturing is you're getting in bed and you're just moving around. You're squirming. You're doing the worm. That's how I'm imagining it. The tiltul min hatsadhu delo shmei tiltul. What does that mean? The tiltul min hatsadhu delo shmei tiltul. We'll have to talk about this. This is the operating phrase in the whole sugya. Tiltul min atzadu v'losh me tiltul. Do you remember when we when we learned about basis l'davar ha'aser in the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa, 
And the way he would say, it is a basis of Tavar is just by saying, it is a basis. Remember that Stam basis is a basis of Tavar Whenever he said the word basis, it means it's prohibited. So here also, the Gemara's terminology for, for, for determining whether something is Aser, meaning Muktzah, is whether it is tiltul. Not to say that, are you moving it? That's obviously you're moving it. But is it Shmei tiltul? Is it called tiltul? Right? In the Gemara's terminology, tiltul means to move Muktzah. Tiltul means moving Muktzah. The word literally means just to move. But in the in Gemara terminology, if it's considered significant movement for muksa, it's called tiltul. Right? That's how the Gemara uses that phrase. And we're going to see this phrase come up all over and over again. Tiltul min hatzad, lav shmei tiltul, or lo shmei tiltul, or tiltul min hatzad, shmei tiltul. Is tiltul min hatzad, which we are going to translate now for the very first time, moving indirectly. That's how we're going to translate tiltul min hatzad. It's a weird phrase, I get it. But it means literally from the side. Not directly, but from the side. You're moving it from the side. It'll be better examples in the Gemara. But it sounds like you said it could, it could or could not be considered actual. Right, so that's the phrase. If I had the, if I had the board, that's what I would put on the board. <laughs> tiltul min hatzad, movements from the side, meaning indirect movements, shmei tiltul or lo shmei tiltul. That's the question. Shmei tiltul or lo shmei tiltul? That's the question, right? To be or not to be? Shmei tiltul or lo shmei tiltul? That's the question, okay? Is tiltul minatad, does it equal tiltul or does it not equal tiltul? Again, if you're not familiar with sort of the language of Gemara, that sounds like a weird thing. How can tiltul not be tiltul? Because what we're, when we say the second tiltul, the second tiltul is whether it's tiltul muktzah, right? So when we say tiltul minatad, it's like saying in English, is indirect movement considered movement? So, so of course it's movement because you use the word movement. But what we're really saying is, is it significant movement? Right? When you move straw with your shoulders, is that considered moving muktzah? Prohibitively. Or, or, or can we say normal? Uh, I don't know. You know like you wouldn't usually... Okay, we're not really going to get there. We're, what we're talking about here is more than that. Meaning that would probably be okay if like, you're not even thinking about it. That's what you mean? You're not even, you're not even like, considering what you're moving. So that's a different question. That's a Devashen of Moscow. It's not a Malacha, so it's not even that. But here what we're talking is you are consciously, deliberately moving this thing indirectly. So is indirect tiltul considered tiltul for the sake of muktzah? Right? So here Rashi says, and what does the Mishnah mean? According to this Rashi understanding, according to Rashi's interpretation of this Mishnah, this person is allowed to get into bed, move the straw with his shoulders, which is tiltul minatzad, and Rashi therefore says, lo shmei tiltul. The Mishnah itself tells us the fact that the person is allowed to do this means that the Mishnah, whoever wrote this Mishnah, Whoever Rabbi Yehuda Nasi is following, Astam Mishnah is Rabbi Meir, but let's put that to the side for a second. Whoever wrote this Mishnah, whoever's opinion this is, believes that indirect movement is not real movement. For the sake of Muktzah. Indirect tiltul is not real tiltul. That's how, that's how uh, Rashi says it. Right? Again, in his words, tiltul min hatzadhu, dilo shmei tiltul. It's tiltul min hatzad, and tiltul min hatzad is not real tiltul. 
it's, it, you're moving it literally, but you're not moving it for the sake of the matzah. It's as if this is not a problem at all. Right? So this is a pretty fascinating starting point. Because what this is saying is that although we've been saying for a year and a half, if something's muktzah, you can't move it, what we really meant was you can't move it with your hands. But you could move it some other way. Now, we'll have to talk about the restrictions to that. You can't just go around moving you know, all your electronics wherever you want. But the point is that tiltul minatzad, lo shmei tiltul, is a big, it's a big caveat to the entire muktzah, the entire muktzah topic. Okay, and that's how Rashi's explaining the Mishnah. This is not Rashi's opinion. That's the Mishnah's opinion, unless you understand someone else's interpretation of the Mishnah. But for right now, we're going with Rashi. And then the Mishnah had said, just because we had to clarify this, and although it's not going to be so, so relevant for our discussion, then Rashi explains, what does it mean? O shahayal of kar o sadin. Or if there was a pillow or sheets on top of it. What does it mean on top of it? On top of the straw, which is on top of the... Bed. This is not a bus's question. It could be, but it's not. Why is it not even a bus's question? And I'll, I'll ask this question a little more complicated in a more complicated way. What does it make a difference which one's on top? And it's not a bus's question. That's my hint. It's not a bus's question. Why does it make a difference if the straw's on the pillow or the pillow's on the straw? Randa, you wanted to say something? No, it doesn't need it. Okay, so what, why does that allow you to move the straw? You don't know. Think about this for a second. How did that pillow get there? You put it there. So when you put it there, what was on the bed? The straw. The straw. So when you put the pillow down on top of the straw, what do you think to yourself? I'm using this as a bed. This is my bed. Now, is there straw there? Yeah, but I am now designating it, right? Remember, muksa means something which is set aside. This is not some kind of magic potion that if it's something that's, you know, usually muksa, therefore it's automatically muksa. I could walk into my house and go to every single item and say, this is not muksa, this is not muksa, this is not muksa. I'm going to use this on Shabbos. Now, there's some things I can't use on Shabbos, so like, it doesn't make, doesn't make any sense to say that I'm using my blender on Shabbos. What else am I going to use my blender for? But the point is that this person looked at the bed, saw the straw there, put the pillow there. That alone is a designation that the straw is going to be used. Now, later on that night, you're like, actually, I don't really want to use this straw. But the straw has been designated as usable. Right? You already determined I'm using the straw because the pillow was on top of the straw. Now, if the pillow was underneath the straw, so one could say that you never saw that straw. You never designated that straw as being usable. Now, you could have, but according to this Mishnah, it's very likely that the straw was there on top because it came afterwards and you did not designate that straw. In which case, it would be a different story. But here, the pillow is on top. Look at Rashi. O shayel of kar o sadin de gale daate. Anyone know gale daate? Anyone know the shweki song? It's not good. It's, who sings gale? Gale, gale, gale. Kibod malchus. I think that's a Shiva boys choir, maybe. Kibod malchus That means expose. Expose, show us, reveal to us your, uh, in, in that song, it's Kavod Malchuscha, the honor of your kingdom, right? Hashem bring Mashiach type of thing. Here, what it means, Degale Da'ate, you have revealed your, your intentions, your thought, your knowledge is, I'm using this as a bed with the straw. 
galei datei de aktiei lishchiva. And word, you recognize that word aktiei. It's an interesting use of the word. It's it's a Hebrew, but it's a alteration of the word mukta. You are setting it aside, not aside meaning unusably. You are setting it aside for sleep. You have determined I'm using this. And now, now it is a usable utensil. The straw becomes a usable utensil. It wasn't usable before. If somehow it had blown onto my bed, so it's not usable. But now that I've already designated because the pillow and the sheets are on top of it, so now I can move the straw however I want because it's not muksa at all. Okay, that's just the end of the, the Rashi. That's not really relevant to our dis- discussion of Tiltul Minhatzad. Ad Khan, what we see from this Mishnah is there is a, well, what we see from the Mishnah exclusively without Rashi is that a person is allowed to use their body to move straw. What we see from Rashi is the reason for that is Tiltul Minhatzad Loshme Tiltul. That the opinion of this Mishnah is indirect movement is not considered movement for the sake of Mukta. It's not significant. Uh, I'm not going to complicate things. Okay. Let's go now to the Gemara. The, the rest of the Mishnah is really talking about a separate concept. Uh, a lot of times the Mishnah, the Mishnah will um, connect things for different reasons. It's not always because it's the same halachic topic. Oftentimes it is. It also could be a similar you know, household item that you have to worry about, and that's what it's dealing with here. But the Gemara, let's go to the Gemara. Uh, Gemari, the good, the Gimel Mem in the middle of the uh, the middle of the line there, a few lines down. Amar of Nachman, Amar of Nachman is an interesting use of. Uh, where was that? Oh, it's earlier. Never mind. I'm I'm, I'm confusing with Kufchav Gimel, which we might get to later tonight. Amar of Nachman, Hai Pugla. What's a Pugla? Anyone? A Pugla. That's a good uh, Yeah, it's a good uh, that's a good guess. Same letters, different order. You're thinking of palig. Palig means to argue or kamifligi. This is pulga with a lamid before the gimel. Um, Rashi says hi pugla tsnon. I don't know what a tsnon is. Radish. A radish. I don't know why, but my son loves radishes. <laughs> it's this it's this strangest thing. But oh yeah. He likes to cut up radishes and put them in sandwiches. He likes the texture. Okay. I don't know. All right, to each their own. Either way, Umar of Nachman, Hai Pugla. Now, this is a phrase that's going to just make you completely confused. Milamala Lamata Shari. Milamata Lamata Shari. If it's going from up to bottom, it's okay. However, Milamata Lamala, if it's going from the bottom to the top, so then Asir. It is prohibited. I don't know what these phrases mean. I don't expect, I wouldn't know either, necessarily. From above and below. In in Israel, I don't know if they still do this because they have these, uh, the cartesias now. But when I was in Israel, you had to buy separate tickets every time you went on the bus. You didn't just get a Ravkov. Now you get a Ravkov, right. So, 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 you could buy two different types of tickets. You could buy a one-way ticket or, or, or a uh, two-way ticket. Okay. So how do you say a round-trip ticket in Hebrew? I, typically, I think it's called a haloch v'chazor. 
Isn't that what it's called? Halach yeah. Chazor. But there's this story that's uh, well known in my uh, in my wife's family that someone once said, "Milamala uh, lamata, please, <laughs> up and down, please, take me up and then take me down." And the bus driver laughed at him. Whatever. Everyone's got those stories about when they don't know Hebrew and they pretend whatever. So anyways, what's milamala lamata? And this is where the board would the, the board would be very helpful. Again, I forgot my I didn't forget my keys. I brought the wrong set of keys, so it doesn't have the key in it. But Mirzashem, we will we'll pick it up. Uh, we'll, we'll get the board in here next week. Says Rashi, the Gemara over here. Hi Pugla Tsunon Shetomnin Bekarka. What does Tomnin mean? You're right. You insulated it in the ground. Anyone ever anyone familiar with the halachic term Hatmana? Hatmana. Right, to, to insulate. So that's what we're doing here. We are taking this radish and we are placing it in the ground. Bikarka. Lihit kayem. Right, for the sake of preserving it. Good. Kishaba lechaltso. Lechaltso. Anyone recognize that word lechaltso? When you come to do chalitza. What's chalitza? That's a joke. What's chalitza? Anyone know what chalitza is? Yes. What's Chalitza? Sarita knows because Mayor was part of it. Yeah. No, no. So I'm redeeming it then. Um, well, so, yeah. well, so a woman's free to marry yeah. again if you... Chalitza is the thing you do if you're not to, to, to make you absolved from Yiba. Why is it called Chalitza? Because you remove the shoe. Yeah. The, the removing of the shoe. Okay? So here, Kishabal Lechalitza means to remove the radish. Okay. You put it in the ground to, to preserve it. Now it's Shabbos and you came to remove it. L'chaltso. Says Rashi, Milamala lemata shari. What does that mean? From the top to the bottom is good. Im hayarosha milamala ve'oktsa milamata. Anyone know what those things mean? If the head is upward and the okates is down, what's the okates? Anyone know the okates? This is going to sound backwards. Close. The okates is the stem. We know this most prominently from the esrog. The irony about that is that the radish and the esrog stem are on opposite sides of the of the size. Meaning, when you look, where's the stem of the esrog? Stem of the esrog is the bottom of it. But the way we hold it, it's the bottom. It's on the fat part. Here, the radish, the stem is on top, like most fruit. Like, so unlike the way that it grows, like normally it grows and it's got the leafy stem portion up here. Yeah, I'm not familiar. So you're putting it in the ground. If the head of it, meaning the bulbous side of the radish, let's assume it's like a Hershey kiss, right? It's the bulbous side is on top. Rosha milamala. That's what Rashi means. Rosha, the head is on top. And the okates, meaning the thin part, the narrow part, the stem, is to the bottom. So think, I mean, this would be really wonderful to have our board. But you've got a radish in the ground. The lower part is narrower, okay? So now let's read Rashi. And you remove it. What happens when you take a radish, which is... Uh, stem down, narrow part down in the ground. You pick up the the well, you pick up the uh, fat part, the bigger part, 
you pick it up out of the ground. The chotza mirosha ha'ava. Ava means thick. We saw that actually in the Gemara about rain. But oksa the chotza mirosha ha'ava tzchila, meaning that's the first thing out of the ground. The oksa nimshach achareha, and the stem nimshach is drawn afterwards. Right? It's following. You pick up the, the heavy part, and then the stem is following it. So that mutar, that's fine. Why? Lefi shahaguma rechava. What's a guma? Guma is a divot. Okay. This is the hole that we're talking about. Looking for a piece of paper. So if your paint part was on top, you would be making the hole wider when you pulled it out. I don't know. We're not making anything wider. Oh, no. My pen is not in my pocket. Oh, no. It's almost always in my pocket. You have a pen? I'm sorry. It's on my desk. What? I'm not prepared at all. It's on my desk in my office. But here. Um, pardon my artistry or lack thereof. So this is this is our radish, okay? Yeah, this is the ground. <laughs> the ground. Right? And the radish is downward in the ground. If you take this side and you pull it out, what's gonna happen over here? Nothing's going to happen. Everything's going to stay where it is. So that's what Rashi is saying here. Right? Read Rashi again. Read Rashi again. I know what you want to get to the next part. I know. But read Rashi again. Rashi says, Mutar haguma rechava. The hole is bigger on top. Milamala. Milamala on top. And therefore, ve'ain mezizin hakarka. Not You're ground. not going to move the ground when you pick up the radish. Now you see where we're going. Ein mezizin hakarka kishahu shomta, which is another word for removal. I don't know why he uses that. You know, like the word shmita, where shmita means to remove yourself from your crop. Right? Shomta. No, no, no. That would be us. You can't pick fruit from the ground. You had placed this. Yeah, for preservation purposes. The ground. It could, it could, yeah. Yeah. If it starts growing, you've got problems. For sure you can't do that. You did it before Shabbos. You wanted your thing to be fresh. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but yeah. So, hold on. Ve'ein mezizin ha'karka k'shu shomta. Aval, however, im cholza milamata lamala. If it's not that way, and I just feel obligated to, to draw again now, if it's the other way, that's a good point. But I'm going to use, we're going to use. So now it's a little more dramatic. But now you've got the other way around, right? Assuming the ground is the same, right? This is still the ground. So now what's going to happen? You're going to grab this part of it. And you yank it out, and all of this ground is going to start moving. So effectively, what is this? This is what we call tiltul min hatzad. Because you are grabbing the radish. You're not touching any dirt. But by grabbing this radish, you're going to move a lot of dirt. So the question is, are you allowed to move dirt on Shabbos? No, of course not. But what if I do it indirectly? So that's what we're talking about. Says Rashi, 
keep reading Rashi just to see that how he says it. Aval im milamata lemala, meaning shatachtona natun lemala. The bottom is now the up, meaning the stem. Verosh elyona shehu av natun lemata, and the the top bigger thicker part is now to the bottom. Vehu shomta misofa lerosha, and now you are. You are taking it from its misofa is the stem. He's talking about the stem there. Misofa from the end to the rosh, meaning the whole thing. You're taking the whole thing out. Asur. Then it's asur. Lefisha because the hole at the top of the ground is narrow. Milamala on top. Ukshu cholza. And when he removes it, meziz hafar umetaltalo. It moves the dirt, and it's considered. It I guess mazes and metatzal are different. You're you're shaking the dirt and you're moving it. The af al gav min and even though this would be considered indirect movement for the sake of muktza, shmei tiltul vaaser. In this case, we are saying that it is called real tiltul. It is called real muktzah, and that's why it's aser. That's why we bring this Gemara. We have the Mishnah which says, the shoulder shake, that's okay, because it's tiltul minatzad, and tiltul minatzad lo shmei tiltul. But now we have the Gemara with the radish, Amar of Nachman, hai pugla milamala lamata shari, milamata lamala aser. According to Rav Nachman, he seemingly holds tiltul minatzad shmei tiltul. If you're going to move this radish and indirectly move dirt by doing so, you're not allowed to do it. It is considered mukta. That's Rev Nachman's opinion. Again, great time for a board. I don't have it. Yeah. So that's like you're, you're pulling it out with your hand. What if you pull it out with your teeth? What if you have to add an extra layer? You're talking shinoi? Yeah. We're not talking shinois today. Okay. But, but it would presumably be the same thing. Okay. It would presumably be the same thing. That's a good I question. Thought you were gonna, I thought where we were going is that if you pull it out and No, no, that would be an absolute malacha. That's choresh. Remember here, we're not dealing with any doraisas. We're not dealing with malachas. We're dealing strictly with muktzah, which is only midirabanan. We're just moving objects that we're not allowed to move. Okay. Then the Gemara continues. That's Rav Nachman's opinion. Rav Nachman's of the opinion, according to this, ad khan, tilt minatad shmei tiltul. That's what bin Rash. Well, you'd have to designate the dirt, which is a hard thing to designate. Okay. Amar Rav Adabar Abba. Rav Adabar Abba. Amri Beirav. Amri Beirav. He said in the name of the base medrash of Rav. Rav's yeshiva used to say, Tanina delok Rav Nachman. Tanina meaning there is a Tanaitic source which is not in accordance with Rav Nachman. We already know what that is because we saw the Mishnah. Right? Tanina Delok Rav Nachman. Right? Delok Rav Nachman. Hakash Shalgabe Hamita, Loyena Nenu Biado, Avamana Neo Begufo. Vimayamacha Behema, Oshel of Karl Sadim, and Anobiado. Shmamina, that's what Shimmem means, I should have asked. Shmamina, we learn from here, from that Mishnah. Tiltum and Hatzad, Loshme Tiltul. 
Shmamina. We learn from the Mishnah that tiltum in Hatzad is not considered tiltul. Shmamina. Shmamina, what we call a sandwich Shmamina. Shmamina, this, Shmamina. What that means is it is conclusive. It is final. No other discussions to be had. You are not allowed, you are allowed to move something min hatzad. That's what we conclude. Why? Because on the one hand, we have a brisa quoting Rav Nachman. We have a Mishnah, which is unattributed. And, and when Reb Yehuda Hanasi wants to tell you that something is completely definitive, he will put it in a Mishnah with no one else who argues. This is just the halacha. And I'm not even going to quote anyone else who disagrees because it's not relevant. This is the halacha. So that's how we pass, and we almost always pass in like a Stam Mishnah. If the Mishnah says it, that's how we pass. Now, there could be other Mishnahs that disagree with that Mishnah, in which case we've got problems. But the point is that here the Gemara says, Rev Nachman, we've got a Mishnah that outweighs you. We have this Mishnah, you know, uh, you know out, outduels whatever Rev Nachman's saying. Now, the truth is that Rev Nachman is an Amora. So it's not really a, even, even a question. If it was another Brysa, then we might also have a discussion. But let's look at Rashi for a second just to, to finish off this, uh, this source. Tanina Delok Rev Nachman. This is after the ones we read before. Di'ilu Mimas Nisin from our Mishnah. Shaminan Delosh Meitotl Degatani Minanea I have no idea why Rashi feels the need to tell us this. The Gemara says it right afterwards. So I don't know why Rashi feels the need to say it. But, uh, but that's what Rashi says. Okay, very good. We have a pretty straightforward Mishnah and a straightforward Gemara. The complicated part comes when we look instead at another time that the same Gemara comes up. If you look at the beginning of the Gemara, you see, I, for me, it's a star. For some people, it might be a letter. Right at the beginning of Amar, Amar of Nachman, you have a letter there, like an exponent. A star? You have a star. So the star always takes you to the side of the page, in the margin, the inner margin, even, even more inside than Rashi. Anyone see what it says there? In the margin, the literal margin, where there's very little words. Right here. Yeah, the itty-bitty tiny stuff that you think is not important. It wouldn't be a nun because the chaf doesn't precede a nun. But kuf chaf gimel. Go back, if you want to see another version of this, go back to kuf chaf gimel. That's 123a. 123a for those counting in English. 123a. If we turn back to 123a, we will find... A bunch more discussion about this Gemara. Now, you open up this page. How am I supposed to find it on this page? One way to do it is to scan the whole page, all the words. Another easier way is to do exactly what we just did. Look for other areas in the margins where that page is sourced. Yeah, you can do it both directions. It's going to be hard, at least if you have that Gosabach in the way that I have it. Correct, correct. So if you if you move over into the Gemara, you'll see the case of the Pugla. Good. Well, Kaman Kufmem Aleph, that's where you'll see it. It's right in the middle of the page, basically smack dab in the middle. That's the asterisk that's leading to that note. 
So this is in the middle of discussion. So when you find that, you say, oh, wait, wait, before we look at the same exact words that we already know from Kufman Aleph, let's back up in this Gemara a little bit and see what they're talking about. Why is this Gemara bringing up this topic? Maybe they're also talking about Tiltul and Hatzad. If you rewind a little bit, you go up, you'll see, oh, look at that. There's a two dots, what in English we would call a colon. But for, one, for whatever reason, in Gemara terminology, we would call it a two dots. Don't ask me why. I say that all the time in, in Dafyomi at the two dots, also known as a colon. Either way, the end of the line is Tanur Rabbanan. What does the Tanur Rabbanan teach us? And that's going to be very important for us. What does the Tanur Rabbanan always introduce? Right. Whose opinions? Tanu Rabbanan. Whenever you have the word Tanu, it is a reference to the Tanaim. The Tanaim are very important because if you assume, oh, this is just Rav Nachman's opinion. Rav Nachman's an Amora. Rav Nachman doesn't even, doesn't even enter the discussion. Rav Nachman, we've got a Mishnah that outweighs you. Stop telling us that you think Tiltum and Atzaz is We have, or Shmei Tiltum, we have Tanaim discussing this. Before we get to Rav Nachman, let's see what the Tanas say. Okay. Right? Now we think, okay, Tanas came before Amoras. What is it, like uh, father and son? No, we're like hundreds of years. Right? Rabbi Yehuda Anasi was a Tana. The Gemara doesn't come out for, for 300, 300 years. So the Amorai, right? So we're talking about Chazal. When people say the phrase Chazal, we're usually talking about Tanaim. The Medrash, the Tanhuma, right? Those are Tanaim. The, the, the Mishnah, those are Tanaim. They have a lot more weight than, than an Amorah. Says the Gemara, Tanu Rabbanan. I like to say in Dafyomi, the rabbis learned, that's how they became rabbis. Uh, or alternatively, I like to, I added to my repertoire a joke that I saw asked of uh, Rev. Nevensal. Anyone Rev. Nevensal, Shlita? Rev. Avigdor Nevensal was once upon a time the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. He's now the de facto chief rabbi, but he doesn't function that way because he's probably in his 90s. You know, wonderfully uh, pious and huge Talmud Chacham. And uh, I used to go to his house for, he has a Vesikin minion at the Kotel on every Shabbos. And then afterwards, he escorts everyone to his house. It takes a long time because he's very, very old. I don't know if he does it anymore. And then he would, he would make Kiddush and then he would give every single person Kiddush and it'd be huge, like a huge mountain of ragalach for everyone that's there. And, uh, and then they would just pepper him with Shilas and Shulas. They just ask him questions. And unless you're hearing, listening very carefully, you can't really hear what he's saying because he speaks very low. But um, and sort of Nevinsal was approached by a, one of the students. He learns in the morning at Nativ Aryeh, for those familiar with the yeshiva. And in the afternoon, he learns by Hakotel. There's some history there. I'm not getting into it. But Rav Nevinsal was once approached by one of the Talmudim. I don't know if it was Nativ or a Hakotel guy. And, uh, and he says to Rav Nevinsal, I would never have the gumption to do this. I mean, I spoke to him a couple of times, but um, he said to him, Rav Nevinsal, what do you call a bunch of rabbis in a room together? And he says, I don't know. And he says, a tanu rabbanan. <laughs> and he laughed. He laughed. Rav Nevinsal laughed. I've never seen him. Well, maybe I've seen him laugh, but not like that. Anyways, a tanu rabbanan, or a bunch of rabbis were together. And they learned. That's how they became rabbis. What did they learn? Paga shetmana b'teven. So this is going to be very similar, but different. Paga, what's a paga? I didn't know this until I looked it up myself. Uh, I'm trying to find it in Rashi if he gives us any help. Um, Paga. It's in the middle, a few lines lower in the Rashi from where we are in the Gemara. Paga is te'ena. What's te'ina? Fig. A fig, good. 
Tena shalo bishla kol tzarka. What's bishla? Is that right? Ripe, ripe. Right, it means ripe. Um, cook, cooking, cooking is effectively just bringing a food to its edible state. Right, right. So that's the same thing when it comes to foods. It is an unripened fig, kol tzarka, to the fullest extent. And therefore, vitomnin bateven lihit bashel. And therefore, you put it into straw. Kash and Tevin, I think, are the same thing. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, in order to help it ripen. I don't know what this means. I, I consider it to be like putting avocados in a brown bag. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. I don't know if that's true or not. But you put, the, you put the fig in the straw so that it would get ripened. And the problem is, Viteven Muktza Have Latit. Muktza Have Latit means it is designated for, I don't know what Tits means, Titulavenim. I don't know the phrase. Brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. Levenim are bricks, and Tits is mortar. You use straw, right? What's the Gemara? What's the, what's the Pasuk in the end of Shmos? Lo titain teven lemispel or something like that. You don't, don't give them kashla teven or whatever it means. Yeah. Don't give them any more straw for their bricks. Right? Same phrase. So says Rashi, this straw was already designated for mortar. Now you used it to cover up your figs. So now, what do we have? It's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah, right, right. I hear you. I'm not sure. I don't know uh, if if it can be defined otherwise. It's a good point. Uh, there is an important part here. Um. You wanted to take this Tevin away. If you didn't, if you wanted, if you didn't want to take the Tevin away, let's say you wanted to keep the straw there forever, even on Shabbos. So what's our problem? Then we have a Basis Lezabaraser. That's Tosos's point, right? If you look at Tosos, in Pagashi Itmina, Myri, we're talking about a case, Shehinicha Sham Al Minas Litla. You put it there on condition that you're going to take it away. Aval im sham If you kept it there, for, you wanted to keep it there for all of Shabbos. Have a which we looked at ourselves. Gabi We know this Gemara, the one, the rock on top of the barrel. If it was there purposefully, so then you would always be prohibited from moving it. So here we're talking about one, you meant to take it away. You meant to take it away. And I guess you could say, therefore, you wanted to use it for something else. You meant to remove this straw to use it for mortars later on, but you forgot to move it. You forgot to move it. So now you're allowed to take the fig, which is underneath. It's not considered a busis. The question is, how do you do it? What are we running into? Same problem. When you pick up that fig, it's going to move the straw. Which, at least according to Rashi, is mukta. The straw is mukta. Okay? That's the case. Let's see how far we can get here. Vicharara shetamna bigachalim. What's a charara? Anyone a charara? I think it's a reed. 
Anyone know? Have, anyone have a translation of that? Sometimes it means other things. Uh, it could mean... Trying to find... I don't think Rashi says anything. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. Um, but it is it is insulated in coals. Insulated in coals. Im megula miktsasa, and this is where things get a little dicey. If it is somewhat revealed, meaning it's exposed a little bit. Im megula miktsasa, mutar letaltala. You are allowed to move it. V'im lav, asur letaltala. If it's not exposed at all, so then you're not allowed to move it. What's the assumption? The working assumption here is, if it's exposed, let's work within Rashi that we learned already, right? Sometimes you learn Gemara, you try to stick with a certain, a certain mahalach, a certain way of understanding it until it doesn't work anymore. So let's stick with what we understand already. We already know from the case of the radish, if you're going to move the dirt, it's no good. Let's say the same thing here. If you're going to move the straw, it's no good. So if it's exposed and I can grab the fig and pull it out without moving the straw, so then it's fine. If it's not exposed, so what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to move the straw. I can't move the straw. Okay, we're going to have to figure out what this means because that doesn't make sense with what the discussion is afterwards. But let's keep going. The Imlava Sosasa, Rebbe Eliezer ben Tadai Omer, Tochvin Bekush Obekarkar, Vehain Menaros Mehalehem. You are allowed to grab hold of it with a kush or a karkar. Um, I don't remember what this is. You connect something to it. Mm. You connect something to it, and then the other the straw will fall off to the side. That's a tiltuminat sad, um, a claim. Something like that. Something like that. I have to look up the translation. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But remember, remember that. Correct. Correct. And remember, the radish case was according to Rav Nachman. And by the end of Kuf Mamalaf, we paskened against Rav Nachman. Okay, we're going to pick up this Gemara Mir Tashem next week. I'll look up a couple of the translations here. And Emir uh, Hashem, we will continue on our discussion little by little about Tiltul and Hatzad. Ad Khan, what we've seen is, it's okay. You're allowed to move something indirectly, whether it's your shoulder with the straw on the bed or it's the radish moving the, the dirt off of the off while you pull it up. That seemed, that was, the implication was that would be okay, according to the Mishnah, whose opinion we do not know yet. But this Gemara is going to help us figure it out. Okay, we'll get there next week. Thank you again to the Barts. For sponsoring Leila Nishmas Avigail Bas Benyamin and Shamash Avinaliyah.